the following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, it's been a long time since I have had a good rant on my show. I've been having uh, lots of guests and so on, but um, there is so much to rant about that I just could not control myself any longer, <laughs> and I had to I had to do today uh, today's show as ranting, putting the news, putting the headlines on my couch, and ranting about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's start out with something. We're going to be going around the world. There, of course, there is national news and international news and so on. But um, And we're going to be covering various uh, stories that intrigue me. Um, but let's start out with one that you most likely have not heard. And um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of from, from the sublime to the ridiculous. This would be in the ridiculous category. Although um, not really when you compare, when you consider um, what the options are. <laughs> All right, with, without further ado... This is a story uh, where the headline is Wife Charged with Murder, Parrot Possible Star Witness. Got that? (laughs) Okay, it starts out, it's a case that could come down to what the bird heard as a Michigan prosecutor decides if a parrot can be used as some type of witness in a murder case. So this is a story about a man called Martin Durham in Michigan. He was 45, and he was shot and killed in his home. And um, they, when the police came to the home, they first thought that it was a double homicide because his wife, um, Glenna, had also been shot in the head. And then the police realized an hour later she was still alive. I mean, <laughs> that in itself is pretty... Amazing. It takes an hour for the police to, I mean, it was amazing that she was still alive an hour later. Um, What was up with that? But then um, they realized, (laughs) everything is taking a little little while, Um, this, this happened in May, and then last week, Glenna, the wife, was charged with first degree murder of her husband. So now... They had um, an African gray parrot named Bud, and he is now being cared for by family members. And a video uh, was taken several weeks after the murder where Bud can be heard saying, don't effing shoot me. Don't effing shoot, I should say. Don't effing shoot. Um, 
the family members say that this parrot is mimicking both the husband and wife as if they were arguing. So they believe that uh, this parrot witnessed the fatal shooting of the husband by his wife. And the father of the husband says, I personally think he was there, the, the parrot, and he remembers it and he was saying it. Now, you know, stranger things have happened. There have been other previous situations where uh, parrots and other talking birds have witnessed traumatic kinds of events and and were able to actually repeat what was being said during the time. Now, I don't know of one where necessarily a, a prosecutor or a judge allows this bird, a bird to be a witness, an expert witness, but <laughs> some expert witnesses are for the birds. In my experience, that's what I've seen. Uh, being an expert witness myself, I can tell you that there are some who are definitely for the birds and a lot less reliable. So I hope the judge lets the bird testify. Um, apparently, these, this family, this couple, was having financial and gib- gambling problems. And um, then there's this other added little twist that Glenna, the wife, uh, according to the police, left several suicide notes. And she then denied that, but handwriting analysis matched her handwriting to the notes. So Glenna is now in jail without bond, and she's going to be um, up for trial. And uh, it will be very interesting to see what the bird says. (laughs) And, um, you know, apparently, if she was feeling suicidal, um, it would make sense that then after she killed her husband, she was, she was willing to kill herself, either because she was suicidal in the first place because of their problems, or because she thought that that would uh, help to make her not look guilty if she survived, which she did, no thanks to the police, who only realized that an hour later. All right, well, we're talking about murder, because if it bleeds, it leads. There's another, um, a little less ridiculous, um, but another very sad story, sad in a, in a number of ways. Um, there is a Texas mother who just shot uh, and killed her two daughters. And um, her daughters were 22 and 17 Taylor, 22, was about to get married, and Madison, 17, you know, both of her daughters were beautiful, and they had done well in school, and they seemed happy relatively, except for problems between the parents uh, who were separated. Um, The mother, Christy, apparently just moved back with the family. Um, They were having a reunification uh, I don't think with a therapist. They were just reunifying. They needed to have a therapist. That was kind of part of the problem. Um, and she called a meeting on the day of, on Friday, the day of her husband's birthday, and um, called her two daughters and her husband into the living room and had an, a gun and um, shot them, Sh- shot at, shot at the daughters and they died, and they, they all ran out of the house, or at least the, one of the daughters and the husband were able to run out. And then she um, reloaded her gun and shot the daughter again. 
And um, the husband was able to run, and a neighbor opened her door, and he went in there, and he saved himself, which, you know, quite frankly, I think brings up all kinds of questions. He seemed more intent upon saving himself than throwing himself in front of the two daughters who she was shooting at. So, you know, I hope he doesn't uh, get away scot-free from... um, questioning from, you know, the investigation. I mean, yes, of course, um, it was clear that it was the mother who shot the daughters, but um, but it just speaks to the strange relationship that there was, the dysfunctional relationships that there were in that family. Um, someone, one of the witnesses or one of the people said that um, Christy, the mother, was toxic for the family. Now, what's you know, it's so hard. There hasn't really been much of a um, uh, description yet of the motivation that the mother had, um, except for some things that she said, which I'll tell you. But um, what we do know is that the police, the sheriff, um, responded to 14 calls for service at the home since January of 2012. And at first they were being really cagey about what these calls were about. And then it's kind of sort of leaked out a little bit that um, it was for a psychiatric crisis, some kind of mental health crisis. And then it sort of leaked out that the mental health crisis was related to Christy, the mother. But we don't know. I mean, it seemed like um, from some of the reports, it seemed like perhaps she was threatening suicide. Um, One would hope that she wasn't... uh, threatening homicide then, and yet they let her back in the home with guns. Um, The whole thing is just really very sad. But um, the the husband supposedly, reportedly, was pleading with his wife, begging her not to hurt the girls. He said, don't do this. They're our kids. But then he told his wife, "Uh, just shoot yourself. Make it easy on all of us. Just shoot yourself. Now, make a note to self, everybody. When someone is standing in front of you with a gun, do not tell them, just shoot yourself. Make it easy on all of us. Just shoot yourself. Um, If someone is thinking of shooting you, they are angry at you. And um, telling them to shoot themselves, to make it easier on you, uh, will only result in them being all that much more motivated to shoot you. Uh, and in fact, that's what she did. And she said, uh, no, that's not what this is about. This is about punishing you. And that's what, he, what she did, although she wasn't able to kill him, but she presumably meant that she was punishing him, um, starting to punish him at least by killing the daughters. And obviously it seems like there was some kind of dispute. Um, You know, birthdays are always a very, can be, a very joyous time, and yet also a lot of times it's a very tense time because the birthday girl or boy um, wants to have a happy birthday and everyone around them usually wants to try to make it a happy birthday, but there's all this pressure to make it a happy birthday. And from little tidbits that I've read uh, here and there in different reports, it seemed as though there might have been, it was something related to the birthday where um, 
something about the girls taking his side about something. That's all that really I can uh, gather from now. I'm sure we'll hear more as time goes on. But, um, but you know, part of the... Um, and, and, oh, and the the end of the story came when um, Christy, after she reloaded the gun and came back outside, and uh, she was um, she was observed as she shot her daughter, her older daughter Taylor, again. And then the police told her to drop her weapon, and she ignored that. And then an officer fired at her and killed her. Of course, which is not a great solution, but um, but. Certainly, that seems to be how uh, most uh, altercations with the police end these days. So, um, and ironically and sadly, the gun that the mother used to kill the, her two daughters was an heirloom passed down from her great-grandfather to, quote, protect her family. Obviously, um, this is what happens sometimes when guns are left around the house or when people are unstable who are near guns, because it's, it's very easy to flip that switch from being suicidal to being violent towards other people. Well, we'll talk more about this, and we'll go on to explore more headlines in the news uh, when we return. Stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today I'm putting headlines on the couch and ranting about them, something I haven't done in quite a while, so there's a lot lot of rant to be had. (laughs) Um, I was just telling the story about this sad story about the Texas mom who fatally shot her two daughters, really sweet girls from not only sweet-looking girls, but accomplished girls. And, and um, one of the things that's, that's sad and strange about this is that the face, well, actually, the Facebook, um, uh, Facebook pages of the mother and the girls. They, they, some reports have given uh, examples from there. And it seemed like on these 
you know, on these Facebook pages that everything was honky-dory, although um, the, I think it was the younger daughter mentioned about how, you know, she had these great parents and so on, except for, or she had these, you know, her life was great, except for when her parents made her crazy, but that they were lifelong friends and so on, which is kind of, and the mother wrote all kinds of wonderful things about her two daughters, <laughs> who she then shot. Um, now, there's, there are kind of a lot of lessons from this, besides not telling someone holding a gun at you, gun at you um, to shoot themselves. Um, that's a no-no. But, you know, it's really sad, for one thing, that the police have been out to their house so many times for um, psychiatric crises, you know, mental illness um, meltdowns, which were probably the mother... Um, having some kind of mental health crisis and possi- quite possibly, quite likely in my opinion, that she was threatening suicide. So what's one of the tragedies, um, besides that these daughters are now dead, is that she never got appropriate med- mental help, mental health help. Um, I mean, you know, did, did, the, did the police ever take her away during one of these times that they were called to the home in an emergency. It didn't, I haven't read that, that that ever happened. Um, was she, how many times was she hospitalized, if ever? What kind of treatment did she get? What kind of psychiatrist was she seeing? Was she, had she been prescribed medication and she wasn't taking it? I mean, these are unanswered questions, but one thing we do know is that certainly she was not um, mentally well when she shot her two, two daughters. So she had either not gotten any treatment or the treatment that she did get was woefully insufficient. Um, you know, it also one of the things when I read about the older daughter, the 22-year-old daughter, uh, planning to get married um, in the next week, um, I wondered about whether the mother was jealous of her. Um, it's funny, the, the mother's pictures, like there's, there were reports about how the mother always was into taking selfies, and um, it's funny that it seems like the mother spent a lot of time using um, an app, I forget what you call it, but there's an app, or of course there's just Photoshop, really, um, you know, on her pictures on Facebook, and, and that's kind of a metaphor for what I was talking about before, that... Um, that everything seemed perfect on Facebook. And, of course, we know that to be, to be the case with so many people um, on Facebook or other social media that they put on a pretty face for the world, a perfect face for the world, as if um, nothing, nothing is wrong. There are no imperfections in their life, not just the way they look, but in their life. And, you know, studies have been done that show that um, people can become depressed reading Facebook and reading about everybody else's seemingly perfect lives. And, um, and you know, this is, would be an example of it. So it's no wonder that it, doesn't, it didn't seem like anything was dysfunctional about the family, not just the way that she made herself look so perfectly, but physically, but the way she made herself look in terms of everything being happy and honky-dory. Um, I, guess that's, I guess that's pretty much... You know, some of the, most of the lessons that I can uh, come come up with from that can can help um, 
underline about this story, but, you know, that none of that brings the daughters back, and we need people, you know, I, I guess another point that I want to make is that when family members are, when a family member does seem unstable, even if you're a kid, you know, they were 17 and 22, the daughters, um, and, but of course there was the father, you know, who was 45. I mean, one of them, all of them should have gotten together and made sure that the mother got the mental health treatment that she needed. All right, let's move on to another story. Let's go across the pond and take a look at Brexit. Please don't be, you may be, you may be tired of hearing um, about Brexit, but I want to make some important points about it or things that I think are important. You know, um, I was actually, this past weekend, I was at, um, I compete in horses, and I was uh, competing in a, in a horse show, a three-day event, which is a combination of one day you do dressage and one day you do cross-country uh, jumping, and then the next day you do uh, stadium jumping. And so I was staying at a hotel, and um, in the morning, uh, you know, early breakfast so that you could then quickly get to the horse to give him breakfast, um, they had a television playing in the breakfast room, and it was on CNN. So every morning I got to get a, got an update about Brexit. And before uh, I knew what the results were uh, of the vote in uh, England um, or in the U.K., um, I wanted, I was hoping that they would Brexit, that the, you know, for, for British exit, that the Brits would exit. Um, because I, I think that that is the only way, I think, first of all, I think it took a lot of guts to do that. I know, I know there's all kinds of contradictory opinions about this, but um, before I knew the results, I was hoping that it would turn out the way it did, that they would have the guts to Brexit. <laughs> And um, why? Because the rest of Europe is just going nuts. Talk about <laughs> this mother going nuts who killed her daughter. Um, Europe is going nuts. Now, remember, I used to live in Europe. I lived in Paris. I lived in London. I lived in um, Belgium. And um, so I love Europe. I traveled all over Europe. I mean, I love Europe, which is why it has been killing me um, so painful to see what has been happening over this past year or so to Europe as migrants have been flooding Europe, taking each country away from the people who, who lived in it. Um, you know, taking, well, for, for example, um, taking Britain away from the Brits, um, taking Br- Belgium away from the Belgians and, and, um, and, France away from the French, and Germany <laughs> away from the Germans. And, you know, we have leaders of, of these countries, of some of these countries, who, are, um, who have been trying to say, like particularly in Germany, about how valuable it is to bring in these migrants because, um, because the population isn't, wasn't growing at the same rate, and so we need more people for the economy, you know, to work and, and um, uh, bring in money to the country to keep the economy flourishing. I mean, I don't know where, what reality they're living in, but the people who are coming in are not people, for the most part, 
who are entrepreneurs who are planning on helping um, Germany or Belgium or France or uh, England um, flourish. They are people who are on the dole. They are people who are coming into these countries because they are hoping to be fed and clothed and housed and taken care of in every which way. Yes, there are a small minority. I, can, I know what you're thinking. You, you know, you're saying, some of you out there are saying, oh, no, there are some really good, needy people and smart people, and you know, they're going to be a great um, uh, credit to the con- countries that they go into. They're going to be helping the countries. Yes, there are some number of people like that, but the most, most of the people are coming um, to be taken care of which is only going to bring down the economies of these countries. I mean, you know, I'm not an economist, <laughs> but it doesn't take an economist or a rocket scientist to see what's happening. Not to mention that aside from not uh, helping the economy, but instead destroying it, there have been reports upon reports, and by the way, there are many reports that are not being reported in the mainstream media um, I'm going to be doing a show on some of those, but I'll just give you a little tease here. Um, there have been examples. You've heard, I'm sure, or I hope you've heard about um, instances where um, migrants have been raping women, how they've been acting like animals, how they don't come from a society where, with the same cultural uh, rules of decorum as the European countries. And so, and, they, and there are so many of them, and they run in packs, and they're just like wild animals running in packs. And so you've heard about that uh, happening, all the, the mass rapes in Germany around the New Year. And, um, and, and this continues to happen, perhaps not in as great a mass as happened on New Year's Eve, but, um, but it is continuing to happen. And there have been reports of even young teenage migrants raping little girls. They're following in the footsteps of what, they, what they're seeing, their fathers and their grandfathers and their uncles and, and strangers, but older migrant men doing to older women, and they're just copying it and doing it to children. So, I mean, really, I think for Britain to get out of, to try to save themselves and save their culture and save their country while they can rather than let it be overrun by people who are wild animals looking for the dole, I think is very smart and very brave. And, um, you know, I, I don't know why, I mean, it, it, the, the people who are, who are failing to acknowledge this, and, and a lot of the, the people are politicians, are other, you know, there were the two sides, of course, um, and uh, some of the politicians who are saying that this is terrible, some of the people are calling for a repeat vote, and so on. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's for selfish reasons. It's either for selfish reasons or it's that they're just blind to the reality of the situation. I mean, I don't know how much more they have to see. I mean, the, the other also, um, this, there is no question in my mind, but that um, the migrant invasion uh, is bringing with it a Trojan horse, that it is not just poor migrants who are trying to make a better life for themselves. Yes, there are some of those, 
but it is also a Trojan horse carrying terrorists. Like, duh, do I really have to say these things? I mean, it just, it's, it's so frustrating to see leaders uh, be so blind to these truths that it doesn't take a genius to figure out because we're seeing it already. I mean, I said this before we had um, some of the words, you know, before New Year's Eve, but, um, but I mean, now that we've had so many examples of horrible things going on in European countries from rapes to terrorist attacks, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that you don't want this happening in your country. All right, well, I have to take a brief breath because we have to take a break. We'll be back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about the headlines, ranting at them, putting them on my couch, and analyzing them. Um, I was talking about Brexit before the break, and um, when I was at, at breakfast, <laughs> when, I, when I was watching CNN and found out that uh, Brexit had, had passed, that the Leave campaign had won, um, they were going to leave or exit the uh, European Union, I was thrilled, and I, was, I, I yelled out, yay, <laughs> uh, to the... I don't know, consternation or at least weird looks from everybody around. Um, the, uh, the, you know, CNN has written that um, the Leave campaign, the people who wanted to leave the European Union um, was, got its power, it won in the end because of immigration, because when um, these you know, that was the main thing that people were voting for, which is well, as it should be. Um, now, and CNN wrote, I mean, CNN obviously was not for Brexit because they wrote, it was the spark that some in Leave campaign needed. They played up fears of ISIS attacks, 
of overburdened schools and hospitals, of moms, dads, brothers, sisters, children, and grandchildren forced to miss out on their rightful and paid-for state support, edged out by newly arrived migrants hungry for handouts and everything for free. Well, yeah, (laughs) that's it. It's not just that it was a spark for the campaign. This is true. Um, CNN continued, The Leave campaigner's message almost wrote itself. Bring back the Britain of their memories. Take back control, not just from Europe, but from their own runaway politicians. And I say, hear, hear. (laughs) And um, I wonder which country may be the next one to leave. It might be France because um, that, you know, that country has been um, overrun as well. Uh, I mean, that's been because of the terrorist, the severe, uh, overwhelming terrorist attacks that they have undergone. Um, you know, I think they might well be beginning to um, realize that they need to make a more stringent, take back their borders, take back more stringent control of their country and stay French, just like the British want to stay British. Um, Okay, let's talk a little bit about the the upcoming Olympics because um, this, uh, I, I may be the first or one of the first to say, you know, first of all, um, if you have been listening to my, uh, oh, looking at my tweets at Dr. Carol um, MD, at Dr. Carol MD, or if you've been listening to my podcasts or YouTubes, you've, you know that I usually tell people um, that they should fly the unfriendly skies, that they should take the trips, that they should not stop doing what they normally do because that would mean that the terrorists will have won. Um, But I'm changing my tune when it comes to the Olympics unless things in Brazil change. But the latest news about Brazil is that first responders are saying you will not be safe in Rio. It's less than two months before the Olympics And the first responders, um, the police, the firefighters, and other first responders gathered at the airport, and they held out a sign, Welcome to Hell. And um, this was, they were hoping to get attention, as they did, from the international audience, um, because they want to warn people that it is dangerous there. You know, of course, you've, I'm sure you've heard about Zika, and we'll talk a little bit about that, and, you know, being um, the, the uh, uh, overrun, well, overrunning, the, the, the um, Brazil being the place where most of the cases of Zika-related birth defects have uh, come about, and, um, you know, that in itself was something that, should make people think twice about going to the Olympics in Rio, uh, especially, I mean, obviously pregnant women shouldn't come, and um, men who are having sex with women who are pregnant or who want to be pregnant, you know, uh, shouldn't come. But, um, you know, it's, it's even, uh, it's more than the Zika 
uh, virus. Now, now we have um, the, these first responders warning people not to come. And why is there a problem with the first responders? I mean, basically, they're saying there aren't going to be enough of them to protect people, and there aren't, they don't have enough resources to be able to protect people. Um, they are fed up with late paychecks and poor working conditions, and um, the, they talk about a lack of development, water pollution, the Zika virus, and there were more than 300 officers who took to the streets, and they were protesting the lack of basic equipment, including cars and even toilet paper. Um, so, and then there's a, a Brazil-based counterterrorism agent who wrote in a message to Yahoo Sports, quote, we have a desperate government and agencies. Uh, the, de- the danger has never been greater. So... If, if we have people from uh, Rio warning the rest of the world about what's going on there beyond the Zika virus, um, this, what, what they're saying is that this is going to be a fertile ground for terrorists, which unfortunately, you know, they're trying to warn people not to come to the games, and I'm telling you now that I don't think that people should go to the games. Um, but... Um, they're warning people, but they're also, um, you know, trying to make these conditions better. They're hoping that perhaps uh, in the next two months, Brazil can can get it together, and perhaps they can. <clears throat> and in that case, I would say, you know, go for it. But um, even the governor of Rio de Janeiro is uh, warning that the Olympic Games could be a big failure. <clears throat> and the problem is that although it's great that they're warning the world about some of the problems that there are that are happening in Rio, it's also essentially waking up the terrorists, uh, not that they didn't know already that, you know, oh, the Olympics are happening and that would be a great place to have a terrorist attack because that's where the world is focused and that will have the biggest impact uh, to destroy the games, you know, because especially because that's the, <laughs> that's the rare time when countries are relatively peaceful um, with each other um, and and competing in you know putting their uh, ambitions and into games uh, and competition into games rather than into arms. Um, so you know, of course, this is a big draw for the terrorists to begin with. But with Brazil warning the world that, you know, they're basically falling apart there, <laughs> there aren't going to be many first responders, and those that there are are not going to have uh, toilet paper <laughs> to help you um, if you're peeing in your pants because you're scared of the terrorists. Um, it's not a very good situation. So, so I think that, you know, yes, I know if, if, you're, if you've been thinking of going, you've probably bought your tickets already or, or re- reserved your hotel rooms and all of that. And I know it's not easy to uh, change that at the last minute, but um, I really think that you need to keep tabs on what's going on and, um, and rethink your plans. You know, this is something I, I tell people that if they're, 
you know, if they're flying for Mother's Day or they're um, flying for a family vacation to reunite their family, if their family lived in another city or another country, that you should just uh, suck it up and take that plane and fly. But um, that's important, you know, being with your family and making time to be with your family and uh, being there for special occasions is all really uh, very important. And yes, I know, I know people get super excited about the Olympic Games, and yes, it is super exciting. And um, I remember when the Games were in L.A., and I went to see the different, uh, some of the different things, including the uh, horseback riding events. And yes, it was incredibly exciting. Um, but you need to really find out what you're going to be what you're going to be seeing there, um, you know, what, what the security is going to be like before you decide to, uh, to actually go. I mean, I guess the best thing, the best advice would be to get, um, if you're buying airplane tickets, to buy them with insurance so that you can cancel your flight at the last minute. Um, about Zika... Zika, there's, there was just the first Zika-related birth defect in Florida. Now, this was a, an interesting story because um, it was a woman who was infected in Haiti, and she came to Florida to have her baby in Florida. Now, I, I mean, I, why... <laughs> Why do we allow these kinds of things to happen? Um, you know, so, okay, so now her newborn baby who has microcephaly, that is the typical uh, birth defect that babies get if the mother is infected uh, with the Zika virus when she's pregnant. And she can be infected either of, in either of two ways. One is by the bite of a... Um, Mosquito that is carrying the uh, the Zika virus, and the other is through uh, unprotected sex. So, um, so the 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 most uh, common or most pathognomonic um, uh, birth defect that reflects uh, the Zika virus is microcephaly, which is a small micro is small and cephaly is head, and the head is small. Uh, to go along with the brain that is small. And so a small brain has a lot of um, defects and a lot of problems. There are, uh, you know, the nervous system is compromised. There are problems with, there can be problems with seeing and hearing and walking. And, you know, all the brains, um, all the brains, all the nerves connect to the brain. And so all of the things that the brain control can then be damaged um, by by this Zika virus, and um, it's it's you know a terrible situation both for the baby, a terrible that that'll bring terrible struggles for the baby and terrible struggles for the mother and for the family because of course then it is more likely that the father will leave her if she if he was planning to be around in the first place. All right, well we need to take another break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Dr. Carol's Couch, I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. I'm talking with you today about headlines, trying to make sense out of this crazy world we live in, trying to be an aisle of um, sanity, uh, because at least by dissecting all this crazy news, we can feel a little bit more in control of it and um, know a little bit better what to do to protect ourselves. So I was talking before the break about the Zika virus and um, birth defects and and Rio and... Um, the um, when an adult who isn't pregnant gets uh, infected with the Zika virus, it it doesn't really uh, create in most adults. It doesn't really create a big um, a lot of symptoms. There, it can have you can have a bad rash, you can have aching muscles. It's kind of like a, a flu-like syndrome, um, which of course makes it a little harder to detect. Um, you know, if someone doesn't have symptoms that seem very serious, they're less likely to go to a doctor and less likely to be diagnosed uh, with Zika and then more likely to infect a woman. If, a, if this is a man, it's more like it can only sexually it's transmitted from men to women or men to men, from men, not from women to anybody. Um, so it's, it's easy to transmit the virus uh, inadvertently to a woman through unprotected sex because you may not know that you have any problem, any Zika virus, anything that's, that is contagious and would cause such devastating results. Um, the, the Zika virus has been spreading across Latin America and the Caribbean. There have been more and more babies being born. Those babies are so sad looking. And, and you know, I can just see... I always think about um, kids sitting in school and like 10, 20 years later, 50 years later, if there are going to be kids in schools 50 years from now, if we're not 
all wiped off the earth by our own stupidity um, and, and unleashed violence. Um, but anyhow, uh, I, I imagine kids in the future, let's put it that way, reading about um, things that happen that are happening today and, and thinking to themselves, why, why didn't they do something about this? Why didn't they fix this? How did they let this happen? And, uh, I mean, I wouldn't blame them. We were all sort of sticking our heads in the sand for so many things. Um, and not, you know, political correctness. I mean, we're, we're all infected, or most of us, too many of us, are infected with the virus of political correctness. That's the problem. That's much more devastating to the human race than Zika virus. And so when more and more babies are born um, with birth defects, notably microcephaly, um, and which, you know, what, do, we, do we even know what kinds of psychological problems uh, that's going to cause besides some of the things that I was talking about before, you know, the impact on the nervous system. I mean, obviously, besides the obvious, you know, any child who's born with microcephaly, unless they put them all together like in a leper colony, and I'm not suggesting that, but unless um, there's some kind of um, accommodations made, um, the... Baby, you know, these children are going to be, are going to be teased, bullied, teased, made fun of. I mean, I kind of could, could see, um, this is something that you see in a, in a horror movie. Um, and so besides feeling depressed and anxious and upset and, and all of that, what kinds, from a neurological, neuropsychiatric standpoint, what kinds of problems are we going to see? with kids with these brain defects. I mean, that's left to be seen. And since there are so many of them, because countries are not, including America, uh, I mean, including the United States, countries are not taking enough precautions, and, and um, we are not being warned enough to, about it, um, <laughs> that, that this is going to be something that's going to have more of an impact than we're being told. And... Um, you know, there's a, there's a, there was a great, uh, let me see, the, the World Health Organization is recommending not to cancel the Olympics because of Zika. Um, and they're, think, they're saying that, um, they're, they're saying that, you know, just in regard to Zika, and they're saying that uh, the threat isn't so great that people should avoid the Olympics or that it should be canceled unless you're a pregnant woman um, or unless, as I said, you're, you're somebody who's having sex with a pregnant woman or a woman who wants to get pregnant. Well, <laughs> really, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, you know, the, the, uh, how, how many men, uh, I mean, are, is that the thing that now men have to ask? Well, I mean, obviously there should be... <laughs> Birth control should be practiced in a better way than it is now anyway. Um, I mean, it should be, uh, people should be more careful about um, having safe sex to begin with. Uh, and now we have another reason, Zika. But I love, there was, there was an article um, by a man has written a book about this. Um, one second, I want to make... His, uh, um, let's see, New York Times reporter Donald McNeil Jr. 
has written a book about it uh, called Zika, The Emerging Epidemic. And I love, he was interviewed, and I love um, what he had to say about, let's see. Okay, let me just read this to you. Um, We don't have to wait for the Olympics uh, to, well, this was, he was asked about seeing Zika cases pop up in the U.S. from being sexually transmitted. And he said, we don't have to wait for the Olympics for that to happen. It's happening right now. It happened in Texas in January. The virus can be transmitted sexually. That's a game changer. Um, it's not clear how often it happens, but it happens often enough, often enough so that it's the second most common form of transmission. Right now in New York City, despite all those subway posters saying, watch out for mosquitoes, Frankly, those subway posters ought to have good-looking guys on them because good-looking guys who have just come back from Puerto Rico or Brazil or the Virgin Islands or any place else are a bigger risk factor for Zika in New York City than mosquitoes are right now. There are no Aedes aegypti mosquitoes here, but there are good-looking Puerto Rican guys who might, in remote chances, be carrying the virus. I love that. He's so, <laughs> he's right on. Um, so, so this is a, a, a pro, you know, this is another case. What, what gets me, what I want to rant about in regard to this is um, so many times the government or governmental agencies, uh, because they don't want to start a panic or, I mean, you know, it, it's a reasonable reason to some degree or at some times, but um, I, think it's, I think it's wrong of the World Health Organization uh, to recommend not to cancel the Olympics or to recommend um, to, to um, move the Olympics. Um, I understand that we're not talking about a birthday party here. It's not as easy to move the Olympics or to postpone the Olympics um, as a birthday party, you know, moving it from one house to another, but... Um, it certainly is easy for people to cancel their plans. And yeah, so you have to ask, uh, what is the political interest of the World Health Organization to recommend not to cancel the Olympics? That's the question we have to ask. Um, you know, they didn't do so great uh, when it came to the virus in Africa, uh, Ebola, not so long ago, they were telling us we didn't have to worry about it for way longer than um, we should have started worrying about it and started having better, um, better guards against letting people into the U.S. from those countries, better protection. Um, oh, my, here's the music, too. <laughs> I have to end my rant right here because there's the music that we have to end the show. Well, I hope I gave you things to think about and um, particularly to analyze, make sure that you keep looking behind the headlines and analyzing what the, what the reason might be, the motivation might be for why somebody is writing what they're writing or why people that they're writing about are saying what they're saying. So thank you for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.